Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue on our birth stories for the summer series. Kate Bechtold had previously pushed two babies out without too much fuss, so she was expecting her third to come out in no time. But what happens when she starts pushing with all her might and doesn't feel the baby move down? Kate's here to tell us all about it. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video, which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. I want to thank you once again for all the love you give the show, the messages you send, the support on Patreon.com, and especially for telling your friends about the show. Keep doing that. Keep sharing this podcast with your new unexpecting friends because you know you're going to give them the best gift ever of that knowledge and confidence and all the good things for a better birth and informing their intuition, right? So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. And if you haven't done it yet, please consider leaving a review in iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to the podcast, because that really helps. Thank you. So we are starting to reach the end of the birth stories for the summer series. And I'm so excited. I'm loving the birth stories and the ones that we have for the next few weeks are going to be fantastic. But I'm also really excited about what's coming up next for September. I've got a show on vaccines with the wonderful Dr. Paul Thomas. And also the amazing Dr. Sarah Buckley is back for an episode on the third stage of labor. And if you have a topic you'd want me to tackle, please make sure you let me know. This is just what Hannah did this past week, asking for a show on navigating the NICU. And before her, Candace had requested a show with a panel of dad or birth partners talking about their birth stories, what they expected, what surprised them, what they loved, and what they didn't like about birth. I personally love both those ideas and will certainly explore the possibility of doing them. And if you have another idea, tell me, send it to um, go to birthful.com and send it, use the contact form there to tell me all about it. So before we move on to today's show, I want to remind you that if you're expecting and want to get the most helpful support from your partner, then go to birthful.com slash toolkit. Lots of things up birthful.com to learn all about my birth partner's ultimate labor support toolkit because it's a unique resource in that it was designed to give birth partners the most amount of useful information in the most accessible and easiest way possible. This is short, sweet, and to the point so that your birth partner will actually grasp what needs to be done without having to read tons of books or listen to tons of podcasts or take lots of classes. This, I promise, is not the information that you get in a childbirth class. There is some overlap, but you'll find very unique things that are wonderful and helpful and that you'll only find here, like there's a checklist of things to ask your wonderful nurse for that will help during that birth. So things like that. Go check it out on 
birthfall.com slash toolkit. Do yourself that favor. And because I'm still my summer happy place, I'm extending the special discount code from last week for $10 off the toolkit. To use it, all you have to do is enter the phrase, thank Sarah, and put it all in as one word without any spaces and with uppercase for T for thanks and uppercase S for Sarah. That's thank Sarah. And Sarah is S-A-R-A-H. All right. So on to today's show. Today, I will be talking to Kate Bechtold, who wrote in wanting to share her birth, her third birth story from her child who is now four months old. This is a recent birth, so congratulations to her. Congratulations to her. And I cannot wait to hear all about it. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, I listen to your podcast. I, I do not miss an episode. So oh. this is fun for me. A big deal. I feel like, you know, very honored to be on here. Oh, and I'm so happy you, you're you on here because this is what it's about. You know, us sharing. I, I love connecting with the listeners. It's not just, I don't do this in a bubble. I do this for you guys. So it's yeah. nice to get that conversation <laughs> both ways. Yes, thank you. Well, I will preface the birth story with um, there was a lot going on um, when it comes to timing and dates and all that kind of stuff. And I, Well, okay, so hang on to this date. February 1st was the original due date that we picked with my midwife. Um, that was based on my either the period date or the conception date. I can't remember. We thought we knew the conception date. We'll find out later that we did not. Um, but we picked February 1st and kind of went from there. So then my sister-in-law got engaged and she picked her wedding date to be on March 4th. And that was very important um, wedding for us. My whole family was in it. I was a bridesmaid. My husband um, spoke at the wedding and both of my older kids were in the wedding. So that was a big deal that we make that wedding. Um, and so, we, yeah, so the due date comes and goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> like like they always do. You know, my first was 10 days late, so that wasn't a huge shock to us. It didn't worry us or anything. My um, second child was a week early, so we knew that you can't depend on a due date. So, But the week, the due date came and went, and we thought, that's fine. Baby will come when, when the baby's ready. And then a week goes by and nothing. And so we start to get a little bit nervous because we think, okay, you know, the wedding's coming up and the wedding was a long way away. So we had to travel, which meant that I couldn't just pack, pick up and leave right after having a baby. You know, right. I needed some time to recover and, you know, get my groove back a little bit and then go. So a week goes by and we just uh, start thinking, okay, well, when do we tell my family to come? I really wanted my family to be there. They're also far away. Um, and I told my family at this point to hold off. And I don't really know why I told them to hold off, even though it was a week after the due date. I just had this feeling like they just shouldn't come yet. I don't I don't really know where that came from, but I said, you know what? Don't come yet. Um, let's just give it a few more days. So we did. We gave it a few more days. And then a whole other week goes by and no baby. Mm-hmm. So two weeks after the, the due date and my family's not here yet. We're thinking about the wedding and my midwife is wondering, okay, <laughs> what is happening? Um, and we're just looking over the calendar thinking, did we get the due date wrong? You know, we were going off my guess of the conception date, which 
at the time of getting pregnant, I was nursing and my period was not very regular. So we started to suspect that we just, we were wrong maybe. And we didn't really know what was going on at the time when we conceived her. So we did go in for an ultrasound at that point just to check on things. And they uh, basically said, this baby does not look early. Um, looks like they, they calculated a due date of March 4th, which blew our minds. Because remember, we had a due date of February 1st, so a whole month difference. And guess what March 4th was? The wedding. Right, <laughs> right. So we're just like, okay, <laughs> that was you know, that just kind of threw us way off. So, um, we were planning a home birth. I did not want to be induced, especially for a wedding. You know, I was not going to hurry anything along for something like that. That's just, that's not safe. And so we just had to hope and pray that everything was going to work out basically. So, um, at this point, my family had come to wait for the baby to come and be here for the birth. And my dad and my sister ended up having to leave before the baby, before she even came, um, which was really sad for me because I really wanted them to come. But, you know, when you're waiting for a baby for two plus weeks, you just, you know, people can't just hang around your house forever waiting for a baby. So, right, right. Yeah. so I, I asked my mom to stay and basically I kind of held her hostage <laughs> until I just said, I really want you here and, and we'll just wait and see what happens. So, uh, I told my husband's family to go ahead and come because at this point I, I knew I would need help and we knew the baby would just come any minute. Um, so Let's see. I'm looking at my notes because there was a lot. I I was sitting down with my mother-in-law last night asking her details and dates and stuff. And it's amazing how much she remembered and how much I forgot. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then, yeah. So I go in for the ultrasound. They gave us that huge bomb of March 4th. That's the day of the wedding. So my sister-in-law is getting very stressed out about that. Another week goes by. My mom's still here. My in-laws come in. And then... February 22nd. So the, the original due date was February 1st and it wasn't until the 22nd when I told my mom, I said, you know what, just go ahead and get a flight home because I felt bad for keeping her there for so long. And she has a life to get back to. And, and it was just kind of getting honestly kind of boring around here, just waiting for the baby to get here. So my dad books her a flight and I go to bed that night, just pretty, pretty devastated because I really wanted my mom to be there for the birth and she was going to leave the next day. And I was worried about the wedding thinking we weren't going to make it. And I didn't want to let down the whole family basically. And my sweet sister-in-law who just wanted all of, you know, we're just a very close family. And my, I just, I knew she was stressing over there. So I went to bed that night and I was praying. I said, God, please help me go into labor tonight. I was just just begging for something to happen. And I woke up in the middle of the night with a contraction. So (laughs) I was, and, and the thing is, is my dad got a refundable flight for my mom. So I I gave it a few hours. I know I gave it a few hours to make sure, you know, cause I know you can have contractions for days or weeks. And so I gave it a few hours to see if it would pick up and it did. I had my little contraction app and it was picking up like real labor and I could tell it was, it was my third birth. So I knew. So I got up around six o'clock in the morning and my mom was up stuff ready to go about to walk out the door to my father-in-law was going to take her to the airport. And I said, I said, 
guess what? <laughs> she was so excited. And I said, stay, cancel your flight. And she did. So at that point, things were great. Um, I really felt like I said in an email to you that, you know, I was told births got easier and faster with each one. So at this point, I was just thinking, this is going to be the easiest birth. It's just going to fly by. I've done this before twice. I know it's going, you know, it's going to be great. So um, I got in the bathtub. I texted my sister-in-law whose wedding was coming up and I told her. And of course, she could just <laughs> breathe a big sigh of relief. Um, no kidding. That... <laughs> that was so much pressure on you, like leading up to this. I know. And, you know, I... Some people, very smart people in my life warned me that that was not a good idea to, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, my sister-in-law couldn't really change the date of her wedding. That had to be that date for a specific reason. And my due date was a specific time, whatever. So, but I guess putting that pressure on myself to say, you have to be there. Your family has to be there. That was not smart. Even my midwife was kind of looking at me like, uh, <laughs> that's probably not going to work very well. And of course, I knew that, but I didn't listen to advice. I probably just should have said something like, you know, or maybe I should have told her I couldn't be in the wedding, you know, that maybe my family could go out there, but I, I don't know. Leave it a little more and, open-ended. Yeah. In, <laughs> in hindsight, that probably, that wasn't very smart, but I'm also one of those people who I try to do too much and that's a whole other conversation, of course, but. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yes. So, but you know, it, it worked out. Um, so I. That, yeah, so besides telling everybody who was in the house, I told my sister-in-law. Oh, good. So she she could relax, and I um, was timing my contractions with my little app again. And at the point, this made us all laugh really hard because the app I chose, I can't remember the name, but it sends you a little message saying, okay, time to go to the hospital. And it did. It sent me that. And we all laughed because we thought, oh, we don't have to. And that that was funny for all of us. And so instead right, because you're to having a home birth. Right. Yeah. So you said, but it was really nice for me to see that though, because it was again, really reassuring that this is real because I, I think I tend to go through most of my labors in denial until the baby actually comes out. It's like, I'm in denial that it's actually happening, you know? <laughs> so when I got that, I thought, okay, this is real. This is happening today or tomorrow or whenever. So we got that. And instead of going to the hospital, we just went on a walk. So my husband and I had uh, just a nice, beautiful walk. And that's when I really had to start really breathing through them. I didn't have to get down on the ground or anything, but I would just hold on to him for each contraction and just breathe. And then, then when they were done, I would just keep walking. And that was a really, I remember that walk as a very special time because it was just the two of us and we just, um, yeah, just labored together. It was really nice. So that seemed to really get things moving along at that point. We got back. And we labored in the living room, or I, we, I did. <laughs> um, I say that because he's, he's like my doula. He's, it's you a know, team sport. Yeah, he, he, I know a lot of men, they kind of shy away from the whole birth thing, and they really do need a doula there to help do that. But he, he's different. He, I think he could really be a doula. Um, he just, uh, he's just right there with me the whole way. He knows what I need. and. Mm -hmm. At no point did I feel like, don't do that, or you're doing the wrong thing. You know, he just, he's very in tune with what needs to happen. So. Fantastic. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were in the living room. We put a movie on for my son, who's five, my two-year-old. I don't know what she was doing. Somebody was in charge of her. Um, and my midwife was there at that point. 
and we, I was just in the living room laboring and it was getting a little more intense in there. I had to lean over the sofa or the recliner and my husband was doing counter pressure on my back and I wasn't vocalizing yet, but it was picking up and I could tell. Um, and then at some point in the living room, I was getting a little embarrassed, I guess, of the, (laughs) this is so dumb, of the facial expressions I was making, or I knew, I think I knew I was about to have to start vocalizing. And for some weird reason, I was still in the phase where it mattered to me who was watching me. Um, at a certain point, you don't care, you know, you just kind of kick into mama bear mode and you'll do whatever, you'll be naked, you'll scream, you'll moan, and you don't care who listens. But I was in a place where I still did care. So I felt like I needed to retreat somewhere to be alone, but I still didn't want anybody to leave because at any point I could have told everybody to leave. You know, my in-laws were there. My mom was there. They could have, you know, taken my kids and gone out and done something, but I didn't want anybody to leave. So I just decided to go into the bathroom because um, I love my bathroom. I love taking baths. <laughs> so I go in there and I didn't get in the bathtub or anything, but I just labored on the floor in there. I don't know. That's just what seemed that's just what I wanted to do. Who knows why? But mm-hmm. I was on my hands and knees in there. I had, it was in the middle of winter and our house is cold. So I had a little heater going on and my husband came in there with me and we had pillows set around and I was just kind of on the floor and each contraction I got on my hands and knees and he'd do counter pressure and it was just picking up. I kind of started to vocalize in there and then, and people were bringing me snacks and labor aid every few minutes and I was really being taken care of for good. I mean, it was, I had a great team with me. So then I decided I wanted to go in my room on my bed to labor a little bit more. And at this point I started to vocalize and I was really working through the contractions, but I still felt like I had a long ways to go. And I think now that looking back, it's probably because I had done this two times before and I really knew how to like I had practice, you know, I, I just, I knew what I was doing and I, everything seemed very familiar and I just, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I still have a ways to go before transition, but my midwife came in at this point when I was on the bed and she suspected that I was pretty close because she kind of listens to me. You know, she can guess from just listening to my sounds and how I'm going through its contraction where I am. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I, had asked her not to check me at all unless I really like basically she doesn't check me unless I ask her to you know it's not routine because I'm very weird and everything psychological for me and so a number could really mess me up and I know that about myself so I, I mean she was just guessing where I was just by the way I sounded and she was guessing that I was going through transition and and she came in there and told me that and I said no I can't be I, surely not, because I felt like at this point it was really easy, and I felt like I could do this longer. And she said, I don't know, Kate. I think I, I'd like to check you if you want, because I think you're dilated all the way. And so I said, well, okay, <laughs> because I thought, well, I don't want to keep going. You know, I don't know. I, I did want to know. And so that's the first time I had ever been checked in all three of my pregnancies. So I was really oh, nervous. Wow. about. I know. I was really nervous because – I'd never done that before. Um, but she did. And she said, you're ready. Like you're, you're 10 centimeters. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is the easiest birth ever. I thought, oh my goodness, all I have to do is push. 
and we're done. And I, I, it, I'll get into the next part. It was actually my hardest birth. So the next few hours was really tough. But at this point I was just elated. I thought I didn't even know I was going through transition. It's been so easy up until this point. And I thought, man, I got this in the bag. <laughs> so I got told them to get the pool ready and I wanted to push in the pool. Um, and I got in there and see, I would have gotten in the pool a lot earlier if I would have thought, you know, I kind of wanted to do transition in the pool. I wanted to go through the hard part, hardest part of labor in the water. Right. But it just kind of, I kind of stumbled upon transition, I guess, or skipped it or whatever. I don't know. You know, um, you were so rolling got, right along. Just <laughs> yeah, going, going. So. And at this point, yeah. And at this point, my confidence is so high. I'm thinking I am just, <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking it was about to be over and I barely even, you know, I, I mean, of course there was pain, but I just felt like it, I just was in control of it the whole time. You know, it never felt like it could, took control of me, but I got in the water and I got, I was on my hands and knees in the water and sort of pushing. I wasn't pushing with all my might, but just kind of working with my body. And it was so weird because I, I just, I, I could, I mean, I felt the urge to push, but I did not feel anything coming down, which is so weird because with the other two, I totally felt them coming down with each, even when I wasn't pushing on purpose, you know, when your body kind of makes you push, I guess Mm -hmm. you can feel the baby moving down, but that was not happening this time. I was, my body was making me push and I was bearing down a whole, a quite, quite a bit, but nothing was happening or nothing was coming down. And that was such a weird feeling and very frustrating. And so I went through a a few contractions doing that, felt nothing coming down. Um, Then my midwife had me on in a runner's pose and still nothing. And so then she recommended I get out of the water and get on the toilet, but face the back of the toilet, you know, Um, and pushed a few times there. And that was the worst part of the labor. That was, I'd hated that part. Um, I guess just because I would push and push and push and push so hard on the toilet and just felt like nothing was happening. And that was just really weird for me. Um, I, and I did that a few times in the bathroom and everybody was so sure the baby was going to come out any minute. My midwife had her gloves on. She was ready to catch the baby, like coming out into the, you know, like she had to be there. So the baby didn't fall in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing seemed to be happening. And so she suspected that, well, I felt a lot of pressure in my rectum and she suspected that the baby's hand was probably up by her head. Um, I, I guess just in her expertise, she knows that that's what that means. Um, and so she suspected that. And then she also suspected that I had a, what is a lip? What is it called? Uh, um, yeah, the cervical lip. Yes. One of those, mm-hmm. because that would explain why just nothing was like the fact that she wasn't coming down. So I ended up, I hate to be on the toilet, even though I'd tried really hard to push on that. And I really, I, I was just sweating and exhausted. I felt like at one point I was going to pass out. I was just, Oh, I worked so hard on there. But at, at some point I just, I had to get off and get back in the water. And, uh, then I got on, not on my back, but kind of with my knees up, kind of like you do at the hospital, I guess, when you're 
kind of squatting, but reclining. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing that and my midwife at that point, she, she suspected if there was a lip, she was going to have to kind of hold it back while I was pushing. So she did that and she said, yep, that's, that's what's happening. And her hand was by her head and she kind of maneuvered her hand out of the way too. And so I did a few pushes with my midwife kind of holding that back. And then my waters broke around that time. And at this point, two hours had gone by of pushing and I was just spent. I mean, I was so tired and I knew that any minute she was going to come out and that those things helped, but, oh, I was so tired and I could tell I was being kind of lazy, honestly, because I was, and I would say that after each push, I would say, oh, I'm just being so lazy. And they would assure me, no, you're, you're doing great. Um, but around this time I was still reclining. Um, but my midwife, she was, you know, she was doing the Doppler periodically throughout the whole labor and she did it around this time. And I did not notice this was happening, but my husband told me later that it did, but she checked the heart rate and kind of put the Doppler away really quick. And she said, Kate, get up and squat. And I just thought it was like, oh, she's just telling me to do another position, you know, but he said it was like, she listened and realized it's time like right now. I don't know if the heart rate changed or slowed or what, but something about that check told her to get me up and, and really get me in position to, to get things moving along like mm -hmm. right away. So I did, I got up and I squatted, I was holding somebody's hands and up in a squat and she just, she came out and it was crazy because the whole time I'd never felt her coming down until I got up and did that squat. I mean, this was like a full squat, you know? Um, but that is what finally made her finally come out. And so I was just, you know, of course, all the after labor oxytocin, it was wonderful after that, but that was the toughest two hours of my entire life. I can't, I mean, I just, it was just so frustrating to be working so hard and feeling like nothing's happening, you know, mm. and gonna, uh -huh, uh, go for it. I'm going to, I have so many questions. So many. I'm like, don't interrupt her. Let her tell a story. I know. But and I talk so fast too. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to take, so I have a bunch of questions. I'm going to ask them right yeah. after the break. We're going to gotcha. go for a break. Be right back. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mighty Mama. Have you checked out Natural Breastfeeding's Quick Start video yet? No? Then what are you waiting for? Here are three reasons why you need to watch it. First, it was created by world-renowned breastfeeding experts, Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher, two ladies that I truly admire, whom you may also remember from past podcast episodes. Second, I know that natural breastfeeding works, since this is exactly what I teach my doula clients to get breastfeeding off to a fabulous start. And third, it's free. The Quick Start video is 38 minutes of solid information that will show you the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well is the best way to produce enough milk for your baby and they are not going to ask you to buy any additional stuff at the end so if you're planning on breastfeeding or got started recently then you need to watch it simply go to naturalbreastfeeding.com to learn more mm 
All right, we're back from the break, and we are going to get answers from right. Kate Bechtold about because <laughs> she wants to get to dig in. Talking so fast, <laughs> but so you said so her pushing was a total of two hours, two hours, and and probably some change there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long had it were, were your pushing stages for the other two kids? Oh, I think for my my first, I probably 30 minutes 30 to 45 minutes for my first um and then for the second it was like I don't know a matter of 10 15 20 minutes it was like as soon as I went through transition I felt her coming down and I really didn't even have to work to get her out she just slipped out you know it's like my body just did it and so that was the last birth I had before the third one so that's what I was expecting was just my body to just kind of do it without much work so that's what really threw me off. For sure. And even for, you know, even for first-time moms, the two hours pushing. Yes. Home births are different, right? But yes. hospital births, usually that like an hour to two hours is, is average quick. Mm-hmm. So, but of course, compared to 30 minutes and then 15 minutes, it's so much longer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And I guess just the feeling of, of nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Is what made it even because, yeah, it was not just two hours of me pushing like a normal person pushes, but like really trying hard and feeling like, no, not that did nothing, did absolutely nothing. You know, you weren't getting any feedback. Right. Yeah. So. Did So when you got up and squatted, did you during that time feel like she moved down all the movement? Yes. Right quickly yes. then? Yes. I, that's, I finally felt her move down. Um, and it, and it was so crazy because she not only moved down, but then crowned and then came out in a matter of, I think one push, if it was not one, it was two. I mean, it was so quick. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know that that could happen like that. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I've heard of a story like that, but my only, the only thought was, oh, it's just going to be like my other one. So and it was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and and so the, it, it speaks so much volumes to how positioning is key. And, yes. you know, while you're telling me this in my head, I can hear Gail Tully saying, position before, before force, position before force, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was just that. You kept moving. Yep. And when you switched positions, it... it Whatever it was, her hand just moved out of the way or switched or her chin tucked in and boop. Right, exactly. And that's that's what I, I loved about this birth is, yes, it was so hard. But if I, w- if I would have been hooked up to an IV and had all this stuff on me, my move, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to, to move around the house like I was doing for this birth. And then, you know, how I got in the water and then out into the bathroom and then back in the water. And I was even going on the walk and because I went on a walk, we were outside going way down the street, you know, far away. So it, when you look at all the movement that took place, that whole labor, that could have never happened in a hospital. And I know mm. hospitals are great for certain people, but for me, that's what I needed. And that's what I needed for this particular birth too. Right. So. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it can happen differently. I mean, in, during, in the hospitals, you, depending on, uh, depending on all the labors, they're all different and you can move and get in the tub and go back out. But there's not that you you needed the coziness and the safety of your home 
mm-hmm. and your people, right? <laughs> right. Because even my kids were there. They were not in the in the room the whole time, but I knew they were in my house and that's what I really wanted. I wanted them fairly close by. And in fact, that part of the story, I didn't tell you, but they were in just another room with my father-in-law. And as soon as I got up and squatted, my mom or my mother-in-law said, go get them or something, or somebody went and got them. And so they were in the room when she actually came out and they didn't see it super up close because they had just walked in, but they were there, you know, they got to see their sister come to, you know, come into the world. And that was so special and what I wanted. But for some reason, I thought that maybe it wasn't going to happen because I knew it could be hard to do that. Um, because the timing has to be just right. Um, but they and were there. Worked out. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. my mom was there, of course, which is what I really wanted. So really, it was what I had always dreamed of. What time was she born? Oh, goodness. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I got her birthday wrong the other day. So I'm just all out of it. I just, I got that postpartum brain. Yeah. Slash, I have three kids, so I can't keep them all straight brain. So... so. Your mom, so you you came down. Your mom was ready, getting ready to leave for the airport around six a.m. Yes, and it was early evening. I mm-hmm. think I can't remember the exact time, but it, yeah, it was it was before it got dark, a little before dinner, so probably five something. If I had to guess, okay, <laughs> ballpark roughly. It's on a, it's on a, a sheet somewhere. It's written down somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure. So, so it was about, you know, 12 hours maybe. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. about the other two? The other two are about that, about the same. Um, the only thing with my first, from the very, very first contraction until the time he was born, it was a full 24 hours, but the first 12 hours were, I, I didn't know if it was labor or not. It just kind of felt like gas really so but once it was active labor it was 12 hours for him and then it was about 12 hours for my second too so they're all pretty the same it was just that pushing time that was so different Mm -hmm. no and I think it's great that you that you're here telling us this story and about how different pushing can be and having that feedback from your body and and how because of course, you were making such a bigger effort when you were pushing to try to, you know, get over that hump, whatever it was that was stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even my midwife, at, at one point when a lot of time had passed and I said, I feel like I'm being lazy and I don't know why, she was asking me some questions, you know, about my emotional state too. Like, is something going on? And she was really probing me and trying to get at what it might be. And, and something, a little bit of something came out and it was just that I was, I was kind of scared, which is weird because I, I had gone into the pushing phase very confident, but I think as more time went on, I started to doubt my body, I think, because yeah, because I was pushing so hard, nothing was happening. And I started to think, oh, maybe I'm just really weak, you know, after all this birth and I, I did not prepare as much with this third labor um, in the pregnancy when it came to exercising and, and kegels and all that kind of stuff. I didn't do as much as I wanted to. So I guess I just started to feel like I was weak and like I couldn't do it. And she, you know, I told her that. And, and so we kind of worked through some of those issues and, and pretty soon is when she came out. So I just, I, man, I love my midwife. She, she really, cause she, she, you know, with all the positioning and just, 
it it was so crazy. I mean, she's so experienced that she knew without checking me that I was going through transition and, and I was, and I didn't even know it. And she suspected, you know, the lip and the hand and all that. And even with her, with a lot of urgency telling me to get up and squat, that was great too. I mean, I needed her for all that. Um, and then even the emotional aspect of it too, to kind of talk me through it. That's, I mean, she was just, she was a rock star. Um, mm and all that. So she delivered all my babies. So she's a very sp- special person in my life. So yay. Shout out to the midwife. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it is birth is a, a full bo- body, mind, motion, you know, it affects you at all levels. So mm-hmm. also emotionally, you had a lot going on with this birth. You had the pressure of the, of the wedding, which meant that then you would have to get up and go yeah with a bunch yeah. of people like there's that whole new thing like once this is done then I also have to go do that right right <laughs> so maybe <laughs> let's hold on to this a little longer I don't know <laughs> yeah I know I know it was not very smart on my part <laughs> but it did work out I ended up I think traveling with her when she was only a week old maybe I mean she was it was it was not much time what saved me was my my in-laws they went back to their home which is where the wedding was going to be in Texas and they took my two older kids with them so I had a few days at home with just the baby and my husband to do the whole you know baby moon type just be alone rest recuperate and just get to know my baby a little bit so that is what made it possible for us to travel because yeah at the day of the wedding she was only 10 days old so Wow. Yeah. And it's so important when you get that little time alone, be it your first kid or the second kid or the fifth kid, whatever it is, of making sure you carve out some possibility of time just to discover this new baby. Yeah. And I would tell, I would do that every, I mean, if I have more kids, that's what I would do again. I would tell anybody, if you already have little ones, if you could find a way to send them somewhere where they are feeling safe and happy and not neglected. You know, if that's, if that's a possibility, you know, a good grandparent or something so that you can just have just two or three days, just alone with your new baby. Cause yeah, once, once your other ones get back and once you kind of get into the swing of things, that's it, you know? <laughs> and it's just, it's, it was really nice to be able to just look at her and really ooh and awe at her with no distractions. Um, it was, it was a precious time for sure. Mm, sounds fantastic. I'm so glad you got that. I know. And that's what made it seriously made it possible for me to even think about getting in a car and traveling. So it was it was great. I had How'd the so wedding much go? support. It was beautiful and perfect. And she got held by. So, I mean, she she really is a laid back, sweet, smiley baby. So she just my my first two needed me pretty much up until they were one or two years old. It felt like they, uh, very clingy needed me and that's great. And I love that. But this third, she, I guess, you know, people tell me too, the thirds usually tend to be more laid back, kind of easygoing. And she is, she let all her family members hold her and snuggle with her. And I would just take her to nurse her. And that was pretty much it. The wedding was gorgeous and really everything worked out beautifully. So but yeah. it was a little touch and go there for a little while. A little bit of pressure at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> week before. Yep. Hey, you mentioned that you had some labor aid 
um, brought to you. Do you have Do you have a special recipe for that? You know, I, my sister-in-law sent that to me. I have another sister-in-law and she's had a couple home births and she's just a great source of information. I think what she did is she took three recipes, sent them to me, and I combined all three of them because I thought, well, I'm sure, you know, be the ultimate labor aid. Mm -hmm. But I can, I do read a blog called Mommy Potamus. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. And she has a recipe on there that I had pinned on Pinterest and I think that might have been one of the recipes that okay. I ended up using. So that one, that one we've got an, another birth story this summer. Um, somebody gave me the link to that one. So that one I have on a show notes. Good. Yeah. Um, if you find the other two and want to send it, me, send it to me, then I'll pin those or, or set those up as well on the show notes. And then we'll start a collection. Oh, of yeah. Labored <laughs> recipes. Yeah. And I loved try. it. I loved it. I in fact, I had made it twice because remember, this baby was, you know, quote unquote late, maybe not really late, but um, I had made the labor aid preparing because I wanted it to be made in, in advance. And I made a whole bunch around the due date or a week after or something. And then a few days go by and no baby. And I thought, well, this is going to go bad. So I drank it all before I even went into labor. Nice. And I thought it was so delicious. And so then I had to make it again later, but. Yeah, it was it was really yummy, and it it must have worked because I was you know if you think about how exhausted I was after two hours, I can't even imagine how more exhausted I would have been if I didn't have something, you know, mm -hmm. coming in. So because of course I wasn't hungry at the pushing phase. So you talked yeah. about um, going for that nice walk and having your husband do counter pressure and getting down on, you know, like on your knees in the bathroom, getting down low to the ground when you were getting more active. Um, what are some other things that really worked for you? Yeah. Even if it's from the other labors as well. Um, well, I, so before I started, so I guess most women around transition, they'll start to kind of hum or moan or just vocalize in some way. But before that, I just, the breathing is what really helped me. I didn't, uh, you know, I went to a chiropractor for the, this whole pregnancy and we did a lot of practice when it kind of like meditation and breathing and relaxation and, and all that kind of thing. And so that was, that was one way I did prepare with this birth was my, like mentally, my mind and breathing and yeah, just really making it very rhythmic and intentional and, um, deep, you know, was, I, I think that's probably why I had kind of in a way missed transition and kind of just didn't feel it as much or I just I don't know but this the breathing really got me to where I could be ahead of the contractions if that makes sense mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so and you know so as soon as I felt a little bit coming on I got in position and I started with the breathing and I was really um being intentional with that so I, that was huge. And I didn't, I, I knew that was my first two births. And I think I kind of tried to do that, but I, it was, I think it would really helped that I prepared beforehand with the breathing. Um, so if, if moms can maybe find some sort of, uh, I guess hypnobirthing has some, uh, recordings you can listen to. Maybe I never did that, but I've heard great things about that or just any kind of app on your phone where it helps you 
to like kind of talks you through breathing and meditating, maybe anything like that, I think could be great in preparation. So, and so once you get into labor, you know what you're doing. You don't even have to really think about it. It's just kind of innate to do the breathing right. Yeah. You've got that tool there with you because you've practiced that. And it'll right. help you out during pregnancy to keep things more calm. Exactly. So, <laughs> cool. yeah. Is there anything that was like, oh, this was awful, didn't work, don't do it ever again? And um, again, you can think of this pregnant, <laughs> this this birth or the two before, whatever. Oh man, I well, so I start. I had my first contraction in the middle of the night, maybe three something, and I really should have gone back to sleep at that point. Um, but I guess I was so excited and I did, I wanted to know for sure if it was real so that I could tell my mom to stay. And, but I ended up staying up from three until, you know, I went to bed after she was born at some point. And that probably was why I got so tired when I was pushing because I was so low on sleep. Um, and I, I didn't go to bed really early that night either. So I probably got a total of like three or four hours of sleep before doing the whole labor process. Mm. And I know moms get so excited in that first phase of labor. It's just so, I mean, it really is. It's so, such a sweet time and so exciting. But if it's in the middle of the night, I go back to bed, (laughs) you know, go to bed and and get your rest. Cause my midwife tells me that with each birth. And I just, I didn't listen to that advice this time. And I really should have, because (laughs) I could feel, I could just feel myself really really wearing out by the end there. So Mm, that's a big one. That is a big one. I agree with your midwife. I always tell my (laughs) doula clients, I say towards the, you know, the end of pregnancy, I ask them to during the day at any point to stop and think if labor were to start right now, would I be well rested? Yeah, that would have been a no for me. Right. If the answer (laughs) is no, then do something about it. Because it does affect you. You Mm -hmm. need energy. You need energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, those are good ones. Um, Anything else you would like to tell the listeners about birth in general? Um, I guess, well, well, one, I tell them to keep listening to your podcast uh, every single episode. I did not encourage her to say this. (laughs) This is all on her own, people. (laughs) Well, and I do. I, I have several friends when at the time I was pregnant, they had done birth. Um, whether it was unnaturally or just the way they didn't, they didn't really, they had, they wanted something different, um, for the births that they were going through at the same time I was pregnant. And so I had a few friends asking me for advice and I, I get kind of scatterbrained sometimes and I'm not the best person to ask in the moment. I'm good. If you ask me a question and I can go research and think about it and maybe email you an answer or something, but, and I was pregnant and busy with two kids. So what I, told people, I said, go listen to this podcast. There are a bunch, and I would send them specific ones like, you know, listen to this one. If you're concerned about this, you know, um, if you're, I think, I guess you did one. Oh, about how the epidural affects breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I yeah, thought with that Diane was so inter- yeah, yeah. I, that one was so interesting to me because I had never heard a lot. Cause I, I look up birth stuff all the time. I'm a birth junkie, but that one, I had a, there was a lot of new information that I had never heard. And so I sent that one to some ladies, um, who were really wanting to make breastfeeding successful, but you know, weren't aware of some of those things and whether or not they got the epidural or not, at least to be aware of some of those things is, can help tremendously. So, 
I just, you know, listening to, to things like that and, and just, uh, talking with other women who have done it before is like with the birth stories. I mean, I've listened and read so many birth stories ahead of time, which was great because, you know, the movies only show (laughs) one type of birth and it's the one that no one wants, you know? So just talking to other women and researching, you don't have to be crazy like I am. You don't have to be a junkie, but (laughs) just, you know, just, and that's what's great about podcasts too, is it's really effortless. You can just put it on while you're doing whatever, folding clothes, cooking, and and it doesn't really require much work just to listen. So And it makes washing the dishes more entertaining. Absolutely, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I am going to so as we were talking, I made some notes as well for the I've started for the show notes to add other um podcast episodes that would be relevant to things that we talk today. Mm-hmm. So there's one with Gail Hart about the problem with due dates. Yep. So I'm mm-hmm. going to link to that one. And also you're talking about how you were nursing at the same time. So it was hard to date your, yep. <laughs> um, so the, the fantastic ladies of the fifth sign, the fifth side of vital sign, um, about that one is about fertility before and after pregnancy. Right. So that I one love relates. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any other one that you think, what, like, you, you mentioned the one with uh, Diane on epidurals and breastfeeding. Another one that you have is your favorite. Well, this one is not really about birth, but the one where, uh, I forget his name, but from, um, oh, the stages. Oh, man, my mind is gone. Ah, the new, uh, the fussy know, stages, the leaps. Yes, that's it. <laughs> with Frank's Pluie. Yes, yes, from the Wonder Weeks. Yes, which I loved that one because with my first two, it seemed like I just my one goal was to get them to not cry, I felt like. So whatever I could do, whether it be nursing or rocking or whatever, just make sure they don't cry because if they're crying, something's wrong. And, and to an extent, that's true. You know, if they're crying, they're talking to you and they need something. But I finally realized that when they have that fussy period, especially at the end of the day, it might not be that anything's wrong. They might just need to vent and say, oh my goodness, I had so much stimulation today. I just need to scream about it for a minute, you know? And that has made me relax so much with this third, which has probably made her more laid back too, as a result, kind of feeding off of me. But I can just relax and say, you know what? Sometimes she's just going to cry because she needs to just kind of decompress. And I don't, I, I still hold her and I, I kind of talked her through it, especially in those early days. I kind of would tell her, I know you've had a hard day. Let's just, you know, you can just cry about it. You just tell me all about it, you know, and that really, that, that helped me so much to just relax and not feel like I had to every minute figure out what was wrong and make her stop crying that she could cry and that's okay. And I could be there for her and it would pass. And it always did. She yeah. always stopped crying eventually. And that's a great, so. great point because sometimes they just need to do like we have a big cry and it makes mm-hmm. us feel better. Exactly. You know, release that steam. And research has shown that even when you can't stop the cry and you can't, you know, if you've done everything, they're not hungry, they're not tired, you can't switch it off, but you're holding them, mm-hmm. their stress levels, their <clears throat> cortisol levels stay stable they don't go through the roof so by holding them even though they're crying inconsolably you are making a difference well that's that's good to know yeah and that's 
that's just, man, what a relief too to not, because, you know, I would hold my first two when they would be going through times like that. And I'd be thinking, what is wrong with them? What am I doing wrong? And that was so stressful. And I haven't had to deal with that this time at all. I really, and, and he has a, a book, what's it called? Um, the Wonder Weeks. The Wonder Weeks. Yeah. So that, and then there's also an app. Have you heard of the app? Oh, I have. Absolutely. The app is fantastic because it ha- you can chart your baby by their, it's gestational. So I don't right. know what you did with the due date. <laughs> what did you put Well, in? that's the thing. I, I kind of guessed. You see, oh, that's what's so funny about this due date is when she came out, her name is Liesl, um, little baby girl. And we didn't know she was a girl until she came out. So that was super fun too for my kids to be in the room. And we all found out the gender together. But uh, when she came out, she had so much vernix, which is not, you know, usually late babies don't have as much. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? And she had way more than I had ever seen in any birth video I had ever watched with my other two. She was just covered. So she didn't appear to be a super late baby, even though she was kind of close to a month late by our calculations. Um and then something else my midwife said, her ears are soft or something, kind of like, you know, another sign that she did not look to, she did not appear to be late. So I don't know what we did wrong there. We, I think, who knows? We, it will, it will always remain a mystery when she was actually conceived and when she was actually, the due date was actually supposed to be. We mm-hmm. will never know. And that's totally fine because she's healthy and she's here, but. That's right. <laughs> that was we were way off. So maybe the I, app will help you figure it out a little bit more because it tells you like when they're supposed to start getting fussy. Yeah, I think so. I think as we move along here and as those kind of fall into place, we might be able to figure it out. And we've looked extensively at our calendar like, OK, like when did we do this? And when were we together? When were we not together? You know, because in fact, there was a whole month there where my husband and I were not even in the same state. I was visiting family. He was on a trip learning how to build timber framed houses and we were just not even together. And so we, we thought we knew because there was not many choice, you know, basically there were only a few days out of a whole month when anything ever happened between us. So we thought, well, surely we know, but nope, we were just, (laughs) it was after all that. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's turning out now, like maybe I took the pregnancy test when I was very, very, very newly pregnant. And I didn't think it was possible to even show a positive test if you were only, I don't know, two weeks pregnant. But apparently, I guess you can. Yeah, they're getting um, really better. Well, what, but what's weird about that is I took a test that was, I got the cheapest, most, you know, <laughs> basic test you can buy. So I thought, surely I, Anyways, it is, it's, it's fine. She's here. She's here. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Kate, thank you so, so much for sharing this story with us. It's a beautiful story. Um, Even with your longer pushing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots to learn from. Well, thanks for having me. This is super fun. I talked really fast, but that's what happens when I get a little nervous. So. You did just fine. No. Maybe on the on the podcast app, people can, you know, you can slow it down a little bit. They could do that for when I was going so fast. <laughs> it sounds just fine. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you.
Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. And if you want to further support the podcast and join my adventure in figuring out how to do things differently, then go to patreon.com slash birthful and check out all the different pledge and reward levels, including an exclusive monthly Q&A chat with me and much more. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another Mighty Mama about her birth story or stories here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.